We're over in the book of Luke. Good to have you all here tonight. We'll be over in chapter 12. W.L. Barnes wrote this, free as a bird, he called it. Recently, we put up a hummingbird feeder with, our, with four feeding stations. Almost immediately became popular with the hummingbirds that live in our area. Two, three, or even four birds would feed at one time. We would refill the feeder at least once a day. Suddenly, the usage decreased to almost nothing. The feeder needed feeding, filling only about once a week. And the reason for the decrease, usage soon became apparent. A male bird had taken over the feeder as his property. He is now the only hummingbird who uses our feeder. He feeds and then sits in a nearby tree, rising to attack any bird that approaches his feeder. Guard duty occupies every waking hour. He is an effective guard. The only time another bird gets to use the feeder is when the self-appointed owner is momentarily gone to chase away another intruder. We soon realized that the hummingbird was teaching us a valuable lesson. By choosing to assume ownership of the feeder, he is forfeiting his freedom. He is no longer free to come and go as he wished. He is tied to the work of guarding his feeder. He is possessed by his possession. His freedom of action is as circumscribed as he were in a cage. He is caged by a situation he himself has created. Boy, what a lesson that is, though, for us to learn. We can sometimes start to guard things that God has chosen to give us freely. And just as these folks would have been happy to keep filling this thing up every day, this guy decided that the supply was limited <laughs> and stood guard over it. Well, over in Luke, the 12th chapter, we pick up with another parable of Jesus, right along these lines. Then one of the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. For God, has, God said to him, Full this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Well, in this parable, we see that we speak of this guy's foolishness. That this guy was, was called by the Lord Jesus as a fool. In Psalms chapter 14, verse 1, it says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. Put this in your outline that a fool is anyone who determines that first off there is no God. Anyone who determines that there is no God is a fool. That's not that may not be everybody's definition of a fool, but that is God's definition of a fool. The other fool would be one who says, I have no need of God. I have no need of God. One who says there is no God, another one who says, I have no need of God. Alright, there is a God, but I have no need of him. This fool determined that his supply was sufficient 
for all his needs. And that's where we come into, to look at this particular man in the parable. That the earth produced plentifully for him. He had plenty. And what his first thing is, alright, somehow I've got to store this up. So we look at first off the foolishness of this man. Then we look at his comprehension. That first off the supply he saw met the need he predicted. Very often we can get into that rut. Where we can begin to think the supply that I have, the supply that I see, the supply that, that's coming in, this will meet the need that is predicted. Sometimes we determine it's not quite going to meet the need that's predicted and we, we do something to, to increase the supply that's coming in. But in this particular guy, he saw the supply. He saw an abundance of supply. He had more supply that came in that year apparently than any other year. And he determined that this supply was what he was going to need. So what all he needed to do now was to store it up. Our supply must be sufficient for the demands made on it. This is the thing we have to make sure, whatever supply we have, that it's sufficient for the demands made of it. That whatever demands we have coming up, that the supply we have will take care of it. You know, if you're going to go out there and buy a house, you're going to buy a house and determine that the supply that you have coming in will make the payment that you have for the house. Or if you're going to go out there and buy a car, you're going to make sure that the money, the supply that you have coming in is more than enough to take care of that. Because not only do you have to have a car, you have to have gas in it, you have to have insurance, you have to have you know, the ability to fix it if it were to uh, break down. You have to have the ability to feed yourself. You don't want to just feed the car. You've got to feed yourself. You've got to have a place to put yourself unless you're planning on living in the car. Not always the best, uh, best place to live. But these are things that we have to do. We have to determine our, our need and determine that our supply is, is sufficient for it. Now he says here in this, in this story, let's read it again. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Well, this is what he says to himself. But here, uh, the soul, even one that is renewed by the Word of God, even though you have a soul renewed on the Word of God, and we are always renewing our soul onto the Word of God. Our spirit is reborn. Our soul is not. We still have the same old soul we had before. It's the spirit that got reborn. It is the soul that is renewed on the Word, or the mind. The Word of God uses both phrases. So we renew our mind, we renew our soul upon the Word of God, but our spirit is the one that was reborn. And so what we have to, to learn is to take our soul, our mind, and have it respond to the spirit that was reborn. Too often our soul is used to responding to other things. But now we have a newborn spirit that is born of God and hears things from God. As we've told you many times, revelation comes to your spirit and your spirit teaches your mind. It is not like it was when you were in the world. In the world, understanding came through your soul, through your mind. But not so with God. God reveals it to your spirit. This is why when God gives His revelation, we know it instantly. I may not comprehend it, but I know it. That's why I always uh, tell you, keep paper and pencil handy. Because when you get revelation from God, you need to write it down. Because your mind is not going to comprehend it. Don't say to yourself, 
I'll just I'll figure that out. I'll think on that later. No, you won't. It comes and then it goes. But you write it down. You write down what the revelation is. And then you get more understanding on it later. You get to teach it to your mind. But it comes to your spirit. That's where it needs to come to. Not to your soul. So we get revelation from the spirit. This is why when you need to learn things from God, you go to God and say, Father God, I need revelation on that. And you don't sit there and try and get it from your mind. You pray and seek after God and you listen to the voice of your spirit. And when it comes to the voice of your spirit, whether you're driving down the road, whether you're working on some project at the house, or whatever it is that you're doing, you stop whatever it is you're doing and you write down what you've got. Because that tells God, I really do want this. Oh, I want this revelation. And I will stop whatever it is that I'm doing. But too often, too many Christians, we've uh, said, oh God, I need revelation on that. I need understanding on this scripture. And I've told you before, I'm sure God does it intentionally. He gives us revelation at the most improper time. Anything from 3 a.m. in the morning when we are so tired to right in the middle of doing something that's really important. Being in a place and we wanted to say to God, God, I, just, I can't get away and write this down now. And God just, just seems like He says, well, I guess you didn't want it that bad, huh? It seems that you wanted that a little bit more. And when we get to a place where that is the thing that we want the most. And you know, all you have to do is lose one or two revelations. <laughs> you lose one or two revelations on something and then all of a sudden you figure out, you know what, I don't care what I'm doing. I'll even tell people, I need to go. <laughs> I need to, I'll be right back, but I need to go. And don't try and get all understanding of whatever it is God re- re- reveals to you all at once. Just write it down. It's coming to your spirit. Just write it down. And then meditate it on it later. It's perfectly fine to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and write it down and then go back to sleep. It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine to pull over to the side of the road, write down your revelation, and then continue on. It's perfectly fine to do that. And as you're going on, now you can meditate on it. Now you can let your spirit begin to teach your mind. But you're not going to forget it. You won't forget it. It's written down. It's down there. And you can come back to it. Oh, how many times... All of us who have received revelation from God can testify. The day, the hour that something came. And we have no idea what it is. <laughs> it is gone. And we, we said, oh, surely I'll just remember that later and write it down. No, apparently not. It's just gone. And we've fought and we've prayed and we've sought after God and it is gone. <laughs> it is not there. <laughs> No, we just need one or two. Surely no one's thick-headed enough to need more than two. (laughs) But one or two should do it. Hopefully just one. Or just listen to someone else who who warned you about it and don't even need one. Just as soon as he does, just... Because just know, he's going to do it. He's going to find out. Is this really something that you want? Because revelation comes to your spirit, doesn't come to your mind. If it came to your mind, it's probably not revelation from God. Now, that doesn't mean that you cannot put some things together and understand some things from the Word of God in your head. But the deep things, the real important things, they come to your spirit and they are revealed. Many times we've sat and listened to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so teach from the Word of God. And they've taught something and with our head we can understand what it is that they're teaching. We're not talking about that. 
talking about down in your spirit. All of a sudden, the light turns on and we see something. Or we just hear something. I don't know what that means yet, but here's what, it, here's what I got. And you get out there and you meditate on it. But this man is speaking to his soul. He's speaking to his mind. He's not to the point where he understands spirit. And he says to himself, soul? <laughs> soul? I've never talked like that to myself. I've never said soul. I'm trying to get my soul's attention, but this guy did. The soul, even one that is renewed on the Word, can know the supply, but it cannot see the demands that await it. Even a renewed soul will not see the demands that are ahead. Understand that. It's with your spirit. The reborn spirit can know the supply and can hear from God the demands that await ahead. It's the reborn spirit that's going to get that. It's not your soul. Your mind can put some things together. It can see some things, hear some things, and try and understand some, some stuff that's happening. But you all know our minds can get surprised. But our spirit hears from God. And God's not surprised. He knows what's coming up. And He knows how we should handle it. He knows what we should do. So this is what He says. He says, Soul, I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. You have many goods laid up for many years. How often do you harvest? Every year you should be harvesting. Every year you should be out going out there and working the fields. And getting out of course in the, Israel, the case of the Israelites, every seventh year they weren't supposed to. But he's saying you have stuff for years. In other words, for as many, for, for years ahead, I have harvested enough that I can just take it easy. I can just eat, drink, and be merry. I don't have to mess with sowing trying to figure out what's going on. I don't have to do any of that anymore. I can just uh, store it all up and I'll have stuff to do. That must have been some harvest. That must have been one really good harvest right there. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Now remember, there's two fools in the Word of God. Ones who say there is no God and one who say I have no need of God. This guy was in that latter category. I don't need anything from God. I've Look at all that stuff I got. I'm going to build some bigger barns. I'm going to tear down the barns I have and I'm going to build bigger ones. You know, I'm thinking this guy is really a fool. Because if you've got that much of a harvest and you're planning on taking it easy for a while, why tear down what you have? Just build barns on the land you're not going to sow anymore. That's what I would do if I was him. I mean, why in the world tear down barns? You've got to tear them down. You've got to get rid of all the stuff and then you've got to build new stuff. So just use what you have and then go and build some, something new on some land that obviously you're not going to use anymore because you, you, i got enough. Now remember, he started all this because he had uh, some people come and say, you know, tell my brother to uh, divide the inheritance with me. Their focus was on the stuff they had. The focus was on the inheritance. Apparently somebody died and went on. And when somebody dies and they go on, they leave stuff behind. And this one, they... They were dividing it up. Apparently, they wasn't being divided up as evenly as they thought. Or maybe this guy wasn't getting anything or whatever. I don't know what it was. But he wanted Jesus to get involved. And he figured if Jesus would tell him, that his brother would listen. And Jesus says, I don't want any part of that. I'm not here to be an arbitrator or you know, decide between all this stuff. This is, this is your business to be working out. But let me tell you something. If your focus is on the stuff, then you're like this guy. 
Let's take a look at the mistakes that this guy makes, because he does certainly make some. First off, he misunderstands the purpose of his life. He misunderstood the purpose of his life. He preferred material abundance to spiritual abundance. The purpose of our life is to have spiritual abundance, not material abundance. How many times we've heard Christians say, Oh, look at those rich folks over here, and they don't even serve God. How is it that God lets them have that? And I'm struggling over here. Well, the purpose of life is not material abundance. The purpose of life is spiritual abundance. You may get material abundance along the way as well. And I'm not saying that God doesn't intend for you to have material abundance. <laughs> but that's not the purpose. The purpose is spiritual abundance. You know, so often we lose sight of the purpose of things. I've said this often enough, but you know what is the purpose of sports in America? It is for entertainment. Sports is for entertainment, isn't it? But you watch some of the people, the way they go after sports is no longer entertainment. They're betting money on it. And if they lose money, they're upset. And if their team doesn't win the big game, if their team doesn't take home the trophy, the whole year was useless. But the whole purpose is entertainment. That's all that it's for. It's for entertainment. What's the purpose of going to the movies? Entertainment. That's it. Give yourself a little bit of chance to, you know, rest up and relax and enjoy yourself and have some fun. And, you know, everybody likes different kind of movies. Some people like romance movies. Some people like action movies. Some people want stuff to blow up. <laughs> it all just depends on, on what, you know, is entertainment for you. What's entertainment for one person? Not entertainment for another person. My wife has said a couple of times, I want to go see that movie. I said, you're seeing that on your own. I have no no intention. I would not be entertained at that particular movie. You know, such movies like, uh, what is that number? The 49 Dresses or something like that. I don't know what number. 27, 27 Dresses. <laughs> See? That's right. I, I knew from the commercials, this is not a movie that would entertain me. But it was a movie that entertained my wife. And so she found somebody, and I don't know, if I forget who it was that she went out there and saw it with. But then there's that other one that some kind of musical, and I just know from the commercial that the guy who was in the musical, who was singing the songs, did not belong in a musical. He was awful. What was it called? Hairspray. Hairspray. See, that doesn't even sound like a good movie. That's just, for me, that just sounds like wrong. It's just, it's just not right. So whoever was, was in there, John, was he, the lead, was he a singer in it? It wasn't him. That was the one where he dressed up as a girl, right? I didn't go see that one either. I know better than to see that. That was terrible. Oh, that sounds more like it. Oh, that whoever that guy was in, that that was awful. The, the commercial, the 30-second commercial was pure torture for me to sit through. I could not imagine being there for a whole movie. But there's other people who obviously enjoyed the movie and went out there and saw it. And, and you know, it, it stayed out in theaters and it made some money, I'm sure, for somebody. Movies that I find entertaining, you may not find entertaining at all. You may say, oh, that's boring. Oh, I don't want to go out there and see that. No. We don't, no. You, stuff blow, I like, I like movies where stuff's blowing up. I, I, you know, if nothing blows up, I don't know if it's worthwhile <laughs> seeing that movie. It's just, it's just stuff's got to blow up for me. I want to see, I like to see explosions. 
But I heard somebody talking about, you know, the movies have to be real. They have to have a certain amount of reality to a movie. No, you don't. <laughs> I don't go to the movie for reality. reality. We get enough reality in life. Yes. We go to the movies. I want to get a break from reality. I want to have, I want to have stuff happen on the screen that I could not see. <laughs> you know, when that Enterprise goes into to a warp drive, ha oh, that's good. That doesn't happen around here. <laughs> that's all right. I love to see that Enterprise go into warp speed. I like to hear that engage. That's good. <laughs> you know, and meeting Vulcans and uh, all the other different life forms of uh, warp and. The uh, Klingons and the whole different thing. This is good. But, you know, you go out to the, 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 the supermarket, you don't see. There's no reality in there. I don't think Hollywood gets this yet because they always like to have those movies out that have a whole lot of reality in them and people are cussing and smoking and drinking and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I heard uh, one of those, those two guys used to do the movies. Cisco and Ebert, yeah. One of them died, didn't they? I thought they were no longer a pair. And they came on and I said, you know, I've never seen, well, all the times we've been in the theaters, never come out of the theater, and they would go back and they listen to the people as they come out of the theater to hear what they're saying. He said, I've never heard anybody say, you know, there just wasn't enough cussing in that movie for me. It just needed more cussing. I just, you know. No, we don't go to, move, to movies for reality. We go to movies to be removed from reality for just, a, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And all of us like different kind of non-realities. <laughs> but that's the purpose of, the, of, of that. You, know, you don't sit there and say, well, that movie just wasn't real enough. That just couldn't happen. So it's the movies. Of course it didn't happen. You don't think that they had the cameras there when the earthquake was actually happening, do you? No, they had it all, all staged. But boy, it sure does. You look at that movie, those movies, you know, buildings falling down. It looks like real buildings were falling down. I don't know how they do it. I mean, I know the, 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 a little bit of it, but I couldn't go out there and pull it off myself. It wouldn't look like that. It looked like a little model that fell down. <laughs> but they know their craft and they do it well. And you come out there and you're entertained. And, but that's the purpose of these things. We sometimes miss the purpose. Our purpose here in life is for eternal, eternal riches. Not just these. If you get material riches down here on earth, great! That's fine. But don't ever lose sight. It's the eternal ones that matter. They're the ones that go on. You're looking at the... the I, don't want, I won't name people because, you know, who knows what their spiritual conditions are. But, you know, some people we kind of know. Their, uh, their spiritual conditions, they kind of give it away. I mean, Michael Moore, it's not, it's not really known that... Not, we don't really wonder whether he's saved or not. Maybe you do. I don't. I've heard some of the things that the boy said. I don't think he really cares much about God. And there are people out there, but they've made lots of money. But they have nothing in the eternal area. Nothing. That's what our purpose is. Our purpose down here is to store up things on the other side. That's what this whole, this whole parable, he says, you've got all these riches down here, and you think we're going to use them for years, and now all of a sudden, full, your life is required of you today. And on you go. So don't ever make the mistake that he did. Misunderstand the purpose of your life. The purpose of your life is to store up wealth on the other side. If you store it up on this side, great. But it's not as important as making sure that we store up wealth on the other side. And the Word of God has told us how we can do that. Second, 
he misunderstood the cause of his life. He preferred his own will to the will of God's. Look at the way, look at the pronouns this guy is using. I believe there are six eyes, five mys, and four me's, or something of those. He's just, he's got, he, I, 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 my, 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 I. He's, he's, he's focused on himself. He's not focused on anyone else. He's focused on, on himself. This isn't good. This is not the kind of language we should have. If you hear somebody who's always out of their mouth, I, my, my, that's for me. That's wrong. God wants us to focus on others. This man was not focused on anything else. Yeah, you can go on through and you can count it up yourself and find out. But you just look at all his pronouns and the things that he he uses. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. I, my. <laughs> oh, my. Day. He, he misunderstood the cause of his life. He preferred his own will to the will of God. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, Behold, all souls are mine. That's God speaking. All souls are mine. Apparently that means those that are born again, those that are not. But all the souls are mine. The soul of the Father, as well as the soul of the Son, is mine. The soul who sins shall die. Don't misunderstand our cause. We live for Him. Our cause is for Him. Our purpose is to store up wealth on the other side. But while we're down here, our cause is we don't live for I and my. We live for Him. Third, he misunderstood the future of his life. He preferred tangible riches to eternal ones. No, don't be misunderstanding that. Don't misunderstand the future of your life. Don't prefer tangible riches to eternal ones. Don't look down on people who have tangible riches. You have people who have tangible riches. and We told you over and over again. The press and the folks and and authority. They're trying to get you to, to despise people who have stuff that you don't. To despise the rich. And just don't do it. Don't get into that. Don't prefer tangible riches to eternal ones. You have eternal riches. Amen. If some of these other guys who have millions and billions or whatever it is they have value, if they ever get to a place that they have eternal ones too, great. Great. That's super. But these are the things that are important. Eternal riches. Eternal. Eternal. Etern- things that we can send on. Things that we can send on ahead. Because all this stuff that's down here, you can't send it on ahead. You may have a field that produced all kinds of stuff, but, and you can build the biggest barns in the world, but it's not going to store it any good for you when you die. You'll be separated from it. You'll be separated from all your cars. If you collect, I know people that go out there and they collect cars. They just collect cars they have all kinds of cars cars from all different decades and eras and and it's can't obviously you can't drive any more than one but they just like to collect cars Uh, one's good enough for me i'm not looking to to collect that but some people that's what they they get interested in but as soon as they die what happens all those cars we get we get right over to where we start on this this story where you got the brothers fighting over the stuff 
You know, when you die, people fight over your stuff. I mean, we all have relatives that have died and, and siblings and relatives have all fought over the stuff that was left behind. What a ridiculous thing to get into. Always fighting over stuff. Oh, I want that. Oh, I'm not getting enough. Oh, I should have more. Nope. Don't be messing with it. Don't misunderstand the future of your life. The future of your life, of your life has to do with heaven. And that's where our focus needs to be. And so Jesus is asked to settle this dispute and all He does is He points them in the other direction. Now, you guys are focused on this life. Don't be focused on the, this life. Go on, to the, go on to the other. He goes on in verse 22. It says to His disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap which have neither storehouses nor barns, and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? We just covered this recently. We don't need to get into all the details again now. And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the, the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, or you a little faith? And do not seek what you should eat, or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. Oh, that's the tough part. Don't have an anxious mind. Don't be anxious. The reason we get anxious is because our future is uncertain. Don't become anxious about it. Our future is in heaven. That's the main future we need to focus on. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. Understand, God knows you need these things. The whole world seeks after them. God knows you need them. You need clothes. You need food. You need a place to live. He knows you need them. You don't have to enlighten Him on that purpose. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, if we only understood that. Too often we don't understand this and our prayers are not based on, on this understanding. We're trying to talk God into giving us a little tiny piece of the kingdom. I can live off just a little tiny piece. Just give me a little tiny bit and I can live off of that. I'll be fine. But God doesn't want you focused on your needs. He wants you focused on the needs of others. So why is it that you just focus on what you need to get you by the time that you have and you just want a little tiny bit of the kingdom so that you can, no. He says, I'm going to give you the kingdom. And if I give you the kingdom, then you'll have plenty to go out there and give to other people and help them out who can't access the kingdom. Because you know how to. That's what we want to get to. It's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Thank God for that. You don't have to, don't be there convincing God to give you, give you a job. Don't be out there convincing, oh God, I, I, I need to do that. I'm trying to bribe God. Well, God, if you'll give me a job, if you'll give me a raise, if you'll help me out with this situation, I'll do this for you. I'll go in the mission field or I'll make sure I'm in church twice a week or whatever it might be. We're always trying to give God bribes. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For your, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, this is all stuff that he's saying to his disciples. He turns to his disciples and says, 
about this part. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It is not wrong to have an abundant harvest. It is not wrong to have a whole lot of folks, whole lot of money come in. What is wrong is don't let the harvest have you. Don't get caught up in that. It's not wrong to have money. Just because somebody has money doesn't mean they've missed God or will miss God. Thank God rich people can follow after God just like poor people can. <laughs> For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Don't let your treasure be with the money. Don't let it be that way. Be as quick to let something go as you are to grab hold of it. Make sure that you're ready to let it go. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks that, he may, that they may open to him immediately so they're not off doing something, not focused on something else. Blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. Surely I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Well, these are the lessons we need to make sure we learn from this. You cannot store up a supply that God turns on. If God is pouring out blessings on you, understand this, you cannot store it. For an example of this, go back to the Old Testament. And God poured out a blessing upon the children of Israel. And every morning it would rain down bread. Then He told them, don't store it up. And there were those who tried. And they got stinky tense because of it. You can't. If God turns on the blessing, don't sit there and try and store it up. How can I store it up to take care of my needs? Because as soon as you do that, you're trying to get yourself in a place where you have no, no need, no, no need of faith. It doesn't mean don't save. Understand, this parable is not about not saving. This guy was never condemned for having the barns that he had. What he was condemned for was when the abundant harvest came in, that he all he wanted to do was build bigger barns. And then just sit on that and not do anything more. Don't do that. You cannot store up a supply that God turns on. Nonetheless, and understand this, worry will add nothing. Now we can hear that over and over and over and over. And you know next week you'll have the tendency to worry. You'll worry about something. And it'll sneak itself right on in there. Jesus repeated a number of phrases over and over. Do not fear was one. Do not worry is another. <laughs> Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything along the same neck of the woods. There are certain things that Jesus repeated. If Jesus repeated it, it's important. Do not replace work for worry. Do not replace work for worry. For worry. Instead of worrying, I'll just go out and, and keep on working. Then I'll just have more supply than I have need. No, don't, don't be doing that. God wants you to be about His business too. God wants you to have time to dedicate to the Word of God. He wants you to have time to sow into other people. Have time to help other people. Have time to minister to other folks. Don't just, all, don't, don't just be about the work. You are of great value to God. You are of great value to God. You are not of little value. 
You are of great value to God. He delights in giving you His kingdom. He delights in it. Because you are of great value to God. Don't see yourself as anything less than of great value to God. There's a whole lot of things that will happen during the course of your life that will cause you to think otherwise. At least that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring your attention. This happened because you have no value. Don't think that. You are of great value to God. God takes pleasure in giving you His kingdom. He takes pleasure in it. Learn that lesson. God takes pleasure in giving you His kingdom. He's looking forward to it. Sell what you have and give alms. Take care of the servants in the house. Don't ever be afraid to sell what you have. doesn't mean you have to sell everything you have unless God says it. And don't sell everything that you have because somebody told you you ought to. That's not listening to God. God wants you to listen to Him. When He says, sell this or give this away, sell it or give it away. Don't mess with it. I've no, I've, I referred to it before, but I love the story from Creflo Dollar when God told him, give this person the suit, whatever the suit was. It was a newer suit. And he didn't want to give the newer suit, so he went over and gave three or four of the older suits. Right. <laughs> and in the end, it happened that the guy not only got the three or four of the older suits, he got the newer suits. He got them all. And God says, I have no suits left. Or he says to God, I have no suits left. And God said, I didn't tell you to give them all. I just told you to give them that one. You're the one who gave them <laughs> out there and did all the rest. Oh, man, we don't, just don't, don't do that. If God says to do this, give this one away, then give that one away. You can keep the rest of them. I don't know why God's saying to do it. He's just testing you out on seeing what's going on. But boy, I tell you what, when God tests you out, when God gives you an opportunity, take it. We've said it before. I don't know. I think somebody said it to me. But when, the, when God gives a command and we obey it, power follows. But God has to give the command. Then we have to obey it. And power follows. Look forward to that power. It's going to be there. Sell what you have, give alms, and take care of the servants in the house. Take care. Look around at the people that are out there. Who can I bless? Who can I honor? Who can I help out? This is a whole different attitude than the world has. The world is going to be constantly bombarding you with, you need to hang on to what you have. You need to hoard up what you've got. And that's not necessarily what we need to do. What we need to do is listen to God. If God says, store some things up, get a little extra, then get a little extra stored up. It's not wrong to have a savings account. It's not wrong to put money in the savings account. It's not wrong to have a retirement account. It's not wrong to put money in a retirement account. It's all right. You can go out there and you can do all that. This parable does not say that if you store up anything in a barn that you're in trouble. It doesn't say that. What it does say is don't put all your confidence in the barn and stop living for God. This man, apparently up until then, had harvest, put it in his barn. Next year, out there sowing again. Harvest, put it in the barn, out there sowing again. All until this one year. This one year, something really weird happened. You know, kryptonite went into his field or something like that, and stuff just grew big, or however it was. It, he just got all kinds of, of harvest. And something may happen with you. You may have been 
you know, you could be out there struggling, $10 an hour job. And then all of a sudden, get a bonus. The boss just says, you know, you've been so good for our company, we're giving you a half million dollar bonus. Half a million dollars. Just walk up, give you a half million dollar check, and you've been used to a $10 an hour salary. Half a million dollars. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to find myself a good place to put that, and I'm going to just live off the inheritance, live off the interest in that. But see, that's the same thing that this guy is doing here. Don't be doing it. Go after God. God, what should I do? And God might say, well, put a little bit of it over here, put a little bit over here, do some of it with here. He'll tell you how to take care of it. He'll tell you how to distribute it all. But He won't tell you not to go to work tomorrow. Because <laughs> it's a good thing that we go to work. It's a good thing that we are be productive. Just think of all the people that you work around, that you are an influence over. And if you leave one job, go out there and do another. Hey, I know a whole lot of folks who got retired. They didn't stop being busy. And that's good. God wants us to keep on going. You know, We don't just define work because you get paid for it. <laughs> Talk to all the people that are raising kids. There's a whole lot of work there. Not necessarily getting paid for it, are you? But you do it. Just because you don't get paid for it doesn't mean it doesn't work. What God doesn't want you to do is to sit over there and eat, drink, and be merry and do nothing else. Get out there and serve people. Help people. Put into them. That's what He wants you to be doing. And that's what some folks do. When that abundance came in, that abundant supply, that harvest, that came on through. Boy, just focus on God. What does God want you to do with what He has given you? What He has blessed you with? Listen to the voice of God. Always be in a giving mode. We're always out to give. We're always out to sow. God is into sowing and harvesting. Sowing and harvesting. And that's what we need to do. We sow into people. We sow money. We sow time. All kinds of things that we, be, we can begin to sow. But don't just be focused on the bigger barns. And understand the bigger barns is not the problem. It was the attitude that was the problem. I'm going to put all this stuff in the bigger barns and I am going to live off of that because what I have in those barns is enough to last me for years. And God says, oh, you don't know what's, you don't know what's demanded of you. You don't know what's coming up ahead. And you didn't get yourself ready. You sent nothing over to the other side. we got to make sure our purpose in life is always in our focus. And that is to send stuff on the other side. Send stuff on the other side. Every day we wake up, what am I sending over to the other side? Every time I sow into people, I'm sending stuff over to the other side. Every time I give where God says to give, I'm sending stuff over to the other side. Keep on sending over to the other side. Obey God. You're sending stuff over to the other side. Fulfill what God has given you as a mission. You're sending over to the other side. Keep on going. Don't ever quit. Till the day that God calls you home, keep sending stuff over to the other side. Because once you get over there and see what kind of stuff you have, it's too late to add anything more to it. It's just too late. We get used to over here, you know, I got a Home Depot. Home Depot is a mile and a half, two miles from my house. Glory to God. <laughs> I'm so glad that it is. Because sometimes you get involved in those projects and you head on over to Home Depot and you get what you think you need and you come back and you start putting it together. You start fixing the, the whatever it was that went wrong and you get part of the way through it. Oh, I need. I didn't know I needed one of these. 
Or, you know, you just need a little tube of something. And you can't go on until you have that little tube of something. What do you got to do? Got to go jump in the car, truck, head over to Home Depot, get that little tube of something and come on back. Of course, now I have a son. I can say, you go get it. <laughs> yeah, I have a son that drives. That always helps out. I have a son that drives. He was putting something together and I uh, was asking for some, some help on it. So we were, we were putting this together and we ran out of outdoor screws. So I sent him on over to Home Depot. <laughs> Gave him my Home Depot card. <laughs> and so he, he goes on through and he gets the stuff that he needs and, and brings it on back. And uh, we were able to make it on through the, the project. But, oh, you can't get over on heaven's side and say, oh, I need to run back. Yeah, I, need, I need something. No, you can't do it. So just send all that you can. Put everything up there that you can. And just keep sending. It's better to get up to heaven and have too much stuff <laughs> than not enough. Just have, just have your goal. I'm going to have too much stuff over there. But have that as a focus. Don't be focused on this, on this life. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us to keep our focus on what's ahead. That our lives are eternal. And they're not for the 60, 70, 80, whatever number of years we live down here. That's not our focus. Our focus on the eternity that comes after. Thank you for the help that you give us to fulfill our purpose. We may not see everything, and it's real hard about that eternal supply. We don't see it ever grow. We can't see what it looks like. But we have faith to know what your word says. We have faith to know what you've said. Do this, it'll send stuff to the other side. So we just keep doing it because we have faith in you. And Father, we thank you for it. Thank you for the help that you give us. You are our good God. And we thank you for the goodness that you always show us. It is your good purpose, good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Oh, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.